Talk Live. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now this recording is from our Cloud Talk Live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time. Your participation helps drive the conversation. Now, let's get on with today's show. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. Jeff Diverter here. I am so delighted to get to spend some more time with you here today. And uh, guys, it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic show. I think you're going to really enjoy it. We are getting into well, guys, it's all things containers this morning. But uh, but let's start with all the usual stuff, and that means it is time for you to introduce yourself in the comments uh, wherever in the world you're coming in from. Make sure you tell me who you are, and of course where you are. It's uh, it's going to be a, uh, an excellent program today. If you've ever had questions about containers, well, I've got an expert who's going to be on the show for you today. Now, if you have any questions for us, you, of course, can put them in the in the chat, but also you can reach the whole production team here at, uh, at the Solve program just by sending an email to solve at rackspace.com. And soon and very soon, you're going to even be able to text us as soon as producer Daniel figures that out. How about that, Daniel? I'll put you on the hot seat. And uh, uh, so feel free to send us an email in the meantime. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you'd like changed maybe, or recommendations for guests, anything you want to tell us, what'd you have for lunch? I'd be interested to know. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, let's power into our morning. Uh, all sorts of interesting things. Of course, it always starts with this week in the cloud. And uh, turn that off, push over to that, push that button right there. And guys, we are off to, uh, hey, our first introduction there. Uh, Duck Donuts on Hevener. Hey, we got a San Antonio person here. Isn't that fantastic? I would love a donut if you don't mind. Uh, I'm just over here in Alma Heights. Bring it on over. All right, so let's start with the news, my friends. And uh, and it starts with some news out of both VMware and uh, and um, uh, our good friends over at NVIDIA. And uh, hey, Naveen Singh, glad you're here. Now, they're into an interesting uh, partnership where they're bringing the power of of uh, of uh, NVIDIA into the VMware stack. Of course, VMware, they've just been around forever from a virtualization perspective. Good morning, Manish. And uh, in fact, they make the statement that they are in 95% of all IT departments globally. Isn't that amazing? Could you imagine having 19, 95% um market penetration. Well, they've teamed up with uh, the GPU uh, owners uh, in the world, and that is our, uh, the folks over at NVIDIA, and bringing some of their AI capabilities to how they're handling things in uh, the private cloud. So that's pretty cool stuff. As always, all of these articles will be available over at the Solve webpage. I'll bring a link up for you here shortly. Now, over at Piper Sandler's uh, 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 they've got a, a, a super smart dude over there, and uh, and it, I bring this up because it's it's interesting. This is a CNBC actually video clip. We'll have a link to it. You can go watch it. But uh, but Brent Bracelin. Uh, came on. He's a senior research analyst, and he's talking about how the cloud market expanding to 1.8 trillion uh, by 2030. Can you imagine a market that big? And that is the place where we are. 
Uh, Linder's out on medical leave. And uh, so it's all about Netflix for him and watching us here uh, on the program. So Dave, we're glad that you are here. Hope you're feeling better, by the way. Hey, and let's move on now over into cloud releases. You know, every time we do this program, I like to talk about an update from each of the cloud providers and where they're helping to not just make new tech, but in a lot of ways, make history because this tech that they're bringing along really is that tech that is transforming the world. And, uh, and it's a big part of why we do this program because so much is changing so quickly that I think it's important to, uh, to help um, bring that up for you guys. All right. So let's start with AWS as we do normally. <clears throat> AWS announced, uh, launched a new AWS WAF or Web Application Firewall fraud control. Now, what they're doing here is helping to make sure that you can't have the, the dreaded account takeover problem. And so putting this in the, in the WAF layer, which is the first layer coming into these environments is super important. So that is a great security update from AWS. Make sure you implement that as soon as you can. <clears throat> now, as we talk about breadth and depth and size and scale of these cloud providers, here's a good one over at Azure. Their OCR, Optical Character Recognition uh, API and feature inside of Azure, now supports 164 languages in their cognitive service com uh, uh, computer vision capabilities. That's pretty huge. So again, what that's ultimately meaning is if you're feeding in an image, that image could be could have text from up to 164 different languages and be able to, to convert that from the image into actual text that you can now use for search or, or indexing or however you want to use it, uh, but 164 languages. Can you imagine? All right, let's jump over to uh, to our friends at Google. Some updates on their SAP capabilities. That For SAP uh, NetWeaver, SAP now certifies Compute Engine General Purpose T2D. Uh, That's hard to say altogether there. Uh, series machine types on the AMD uh, platform. So uh, continuing to expand their ability to run SAP NetWeaver in, in even uh, uh, more diverse types of infrastructure over at Google. All right, folks, if you want to get any of those links, I would encourage you to head over to rackspace.com slash solve slash 92. This is episode 92. Can you believe that? Hey, welcome from India. I'm glad that you are here. Guys, continue to introduce yourselves. We're about to go down the containers rabbit hole here shortly. And uh, if you've ever had a, a question for an expert in containers, well, save it for my guest who will be up here shortly. But before we do that, it's off to the job of the day here at Rackspace. Guys, they, we are hiring like crazy. And today, in honor of the fact that I had an article about uh, VMware and they're one of our oldest partners, uh, I wanted to tell you about our manager of technical support for VMware. This is a pretty cool job opportunity here at Rackspace, and it is uh, a, a job that will provide leadership and direction for the delivery of pre and post sales uh, for services and support uh, to clients and customers, specifically with not just in VMware at large, but also VMware private cloud offerings. And uh, and so you can find a link to that job over at rackspace.com slash solve slash 92. Of course, do not fear the dreaded sales pop-up when you go over to the Solve website. Guys, Solve is our thought leadership program uh, at Rackspace. We are here to bring you information, not to sell you anything, but great ideas and education. 
And uh, so if you head over to, to Rackspace slash solve slash 92, all of the links for t- uh, today, both the news articles as well as the updates will be there as well as a link to that job. If you're a VMware leader, I'd love for you to come and work with us. We need some more help. Now, one of the things we started earlier this year was taking the audio from these live feeds and making them available as part of the Cloud Talk podcast. It's also why we rebranded the name of this to Cloud Talk Live. Now you can find these podcasts anywhere podcasts are found. There's the list of them all down there. You can find links to all of these things at the rackspace.com slash 92. I'm getting tired of saying that. Um, so just head on over there and um, I'd love for you to subscribe consider it a personal favor. We love the numbers. In fact, I get to sit in front of the CEO today and talk about um, the the information that I get to bring to you guys every, tw- uh, every, well, every, every couple of days here uh, on Cloud Talk Live. All right. With that, it is time for us to get into the conversation of the morning. And for that, I get to bring up a, an amazing co-worker and his name is Niketu Perak. Now, uh, Niketu's been here for a a couple of years, but he's got lots of history in this uh, in this space. He's a principal product manager for us here at Rackspace, all around the um, all around uh, the containers environment. So, with that, Niketu, come on up on stage here. Welcome to Cloud Talk Live, Niketu. Good morning, Jeff, and good uh, afternoon, good evening, uh, audience, wherever you are. Uh, very excited to be here, Jeff. Uh, really was looking forward to this opportunity to join the audience live and uh, share uh, thoughts about uh, Kubernetes journey and uh, anything about uh, uh, containers and their uh, application to cloud native and multi-cloud technologies that uh, all the customers are yeah, so so the, that journey has really been interesting. And as we were chatting a little before we got started, hey, look, we got a friend from Dubai in here. And I'm glad that you are here, Yasser. Guys, continue to introduce yourselves. And as you have container questions, just pop them into the chat. Niketu is the smartest guy I know in containers. He can answer anything. And uh, hey, Barbara, glad to see you too. So, um, so Niketu, as we get into this, why don't we start with a little bit of background? You know, we talk about containers. It's a very wide conversation. And, uh, and, it, and, um, and I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about, about where they fit in, in that part of the digital transformation journey. You know, we talk, there's containers, there's orchestration. Why don't you can maybe start to lead us down this path? Absolutely. Sure, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, first of all, when we talk about containers uh, and uh, container orchestration engines like uh, Kubernetes, uh, one thing uh, that comes out uh, without any ambiguity and without any uh, debate is that uh, uh, it's the front and center uh, or primary vehicle for any digital transformation we talk about, right? Uh, And uh, in that context, uh, we really need to look up uh, look back uh, several decades of how application architectures has evolved. Okay. Right? So, and to draw that analogy, uh, I always uh, refer to two famous Hollywood movies, uh, The Untouchables. Uh, we refer to uh, monolith applications as The Untouchables. So if you can imagine or anybody who has uh, been around long enough, they would uh, directly correlate uh, the their personal experience that uh, uh, earlier in the days, uh, uh, those applications were pretty huge in size, very complex, and, and making any changes, etc., was a very lengthy process. So, well, it was lengthy, it, it was to, challenging. It was you had, you exactly. know, everything. The whole thing had to be tested. It was, you know, I love your analogy to 
to the untouchables because those monoliths, it was just, I mean, and, and, and go back folks. I mean, imagine when, when we used to see updates even from windows and, and they would, you know, be every six months at best or, uh, you know, your favorite application. We're measuring this in many, many months, if not years or at least quarters, uh, just because the amount of work it took to start to peel that back and then test the whole thing to make sure the one line you changed didn't blow the whole thing up. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people will have uh, gone through that first and experience. Making up, uh, I mean, missing out one comma causes uh, severe uh, uh, RTGs in the production environment. So, yeah, it's so that level of attention to detail, which is why I'm not a programmer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's the monolith application architecture we're referring to, right? But uh, when we talk about digital transformation, the uh, the mm-hmm. most important aspect of that. Uh, uh, transformation that has been enabled is uh, because of the fact that uh, we have this uh, microservice architecture, right? Yeah. And that actually is completely uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum. Because when we talk about microservices, uh, another uh, Hollywood famous movie is Fast and Furious. Right? <laughs> so, so immediately we can imagine that uh, uh, the capabilities and everything that uh, containerized uh, applications and microservice architecture has to offer gives uh, faster time to deploy the applications, faster time to fix any uh, bugs that have found in the uh, production environment. Yeah. And it results in lots of uh, uh, benefits uh, that uh, digital transformation is promising, right? So those are the two uh, key uh, architectural uh, uh, milestones that I wanted to cover before we dive deeper into conversation about containers. I think that's good. Um, hey, let's. Uh, Javier's got a, a question in there that I think is is quite pertinent. Uh, he says, if you have a container uh, or a bunch of them running in Azure AKS, which orchestration platform would you recommend uh, uh, for on-premises admin? Uh, how about we take that answer a little bit later in the conversation? Because uh, I guess uh, uh, that he's leading the witness, is, isn't he? Uh, he's he's trying to get us to to get to the punchline faster. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Javier, yeah, so you got to stick with us. This is what they call the bait. It's it's out there. The answer is coming. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so if those are the movies, whether it's The Untouchables or Fast and Furious, how do we get there? You know, let's talk about that process um, uh, in in getting there, or maybe even defining. You know, what is what is a container? Is that standard unit of measure? Right. Right, so uh, so microservice architecture, right? It's uh, built upon this uh, concept of my, uh, containers, and uh, like you mentioned, it's uh, uh, it's a, a unit of uh, uh, packaged uh, application, right? Yeah, so not only source code, but uh, everything uh, about uh, the libraries and dependencies. Everything is prepackaged mm. uh, to the point that it uh, gives a, a high level of uh, uh, portability. And that's actually one of the benefits of uh, containers, right? Uh, or right. one of the most important benefits of containers, apart from uh, several other benefits that uh, we can achieve uh, through uh, our throughout the journey of digital transformation. Yeah, yeah. So Javier is running in, in Azure, and all of a sudden decides that GCP is the way to go. Portable, right. you can just move those suckers right over. Exactly. Yeah, and that's right. Uh, uh, the portability that containers uh, offer is uh, just one. Uh, aspect of it, mm-hmm. I think uh, we'll, uh, when as we continue the conversation um, into uh, cloud native versus uh, hybrid cloud versus uh, multi-cloud, we'll realize uh, how uh, 
the portability of container is uh, a prerequisite uh, for any kind of transformation we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so that's you know that portability aspect, like I said, is is one of those things that I that it, it I find so attractive to the whole containers methodology. Um, you know, the, the other aspects, of course, less overhead, um, greater efficiency, faster application. I, I want to hone in on that for just a second. The faster application deployment. Um, how is it faster to 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 deploy or um, our development? How is it faster to de develop in containers than it would be in another environment? Okay, yeah. So we can do the comparison, right? Uh, virtual machines versus uh, microservices. Yeah. Or containers, right? So when we talk about uh, microservices, is basically we are breaking down one application into multiple microservices. So it immediately trans uh, translates into breaking down the efforts involved in uh, writing those applications or developing yeah. those, those applications, right? And uh, with that, we are able to distribute the uh, development efforts across multiple developers and get the momentum or accelerate those uh, uh, development phases for each of those microservices. Yeah. So that's the developer aspect of it, right? Uh, when we talk about uh, uh, other uh, aspects of uh, how uh, how faster uh, application development helps is the fact that uh, uh, with that, we are able to also uh, dynamically and uh, uh, in dynamic manner, we can, we can uh, deliver new features and capabilities of our services uh, to the customer in much uh, expedited cycles. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, just think about it. Everything's broken down into these component parts and those individual component parts can be developed on, they can be fixed, they can be enhanced and deployed all uh, uh, um, uh, individually without having to wait for the rest of all the everything to come along. So, right. you know, I hate to use the example, but it works so well. You know, if you're co-editing a document, if you've got a bunch of people working on one big document individually, someone's got to put it all back together. When you can co-edit in a document, rough analogy, uh, you can you can actually do that a lot quicker. So it's I think that's one way to, to sort of think about that. Right. Yeah. And, and other uh, efficiencies, et cetera, that containers delivers, uh, also helps uh, improve uh, the service availabilities, uh, service availability. So all the SLAs can be uh, improved using uh, container and microservice architecture. Also, uh, it, uh, in, this, in the same context of availability, when we experience any problems in the production environment, uh, recycling those uh, containers or microservices is significantly quicker than uh, at the previous generation of applications, as an example, right? Yeah. And that uh, definitely improves the availability. At the same time, it uh, achieves better uh, uh, outcome for the overall disaster recovery uh, strategy as well, right? right? So, I mean, of course, uh, there is endless list of benefits that containers uh, uh, has to offer. And that's why it is the primary uh, vehicle for all the digital transformation, like I was mentioning earlier. Well, it all can't be sunshine and roses. What are some limitations? Where where do containers maybe not fit or or fall a little flat? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's not always uh, uh, the hunky-dory story, right? Uh, okay. so in, in terms of uh, uh, limitations, uh, one important limitation that we probably would like to live with is that uh, uh, the underlying uh, uh, operating system, right? So if I have uh, applications which are running on Linux, Unfortunately, they are not portable to Windows, and vice versa mm -hmm. is also true as well. 
So until unless we make uh, uh, investment in uh, refactoring those applications, uh, we'll, we are kind of uh, uh, locked into uh, that uh, operating system level dependencies. So again, uh, that's where the limit of portability uh, ends. But again, that's just uh, one limit. Uh, there are many other aspects, uh, much broader than just the containers. Uh, when we talk about uh, uh, multi-cloud or cloud-native uh, journey that is part of the digital transformation. Well, and it's good that you bring that back uh, as well, because we really need to think about this as part of that digital transformation, that that journey yeah. to cloud native, is, uh, because that's that's really <coughs> where this stuff really starts to sing. So, um, you know, I mentioned before how much I enjoy the portability, and it's one of my favorite features is, is the portability. So why don't we, we zoom in a little bit on the portability of containers and um, some of those trends and, and how it enables some different methodologies as well. Sure thing. Yeah, so when we talk about uh, extending the portability beyond containers, uh, we are immediately stepping into the realm of uh, uh, cloud native versus multi-cloud versus uh, hybrid to a certain extent as well, right? Yeah. Because uh, ultimately, uh, if you ask uh, 10 different people, uh, more than likely you will find uh, different answers when it comes to the definition of uh, cloud native versus multi-cloud. Yeah. Uh, if uh, the applications which are uh, born in public cloud, uh, for them, cloud native is uh, consuming everything that is uh, uh, native to uh, the public cloud provider. Yeah. Whereas uh, if there is somebody who has a legacy application and they are going through the uh, refactoring and uh, uh, containerization journey uh, for those applications, they will be looking at multi-cloud as something that uh, enables them to uh, up de deploy those services independent of uh, what uh, cloud service provider that they use. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, there is still an important aspect of uh, where uh, making uh, or achieving a higher level of uh, portability. And that's where the cloud native services uh, steps in or the, the uh, architecture uh, methodologies of cloud native helps to achieve higher level of portability across uh, uh, various uh, public clouds. And for that matter, uh, across uh, all the types of deployment models, right? whether it is uh, private cloud or public cloud or uh, hybrid. So yeah. that's the essence of uh, cloud native services. So I can give a reference uh, or just an example. Okay, right? When we're talking about uh, uh, a caching service, right? Hmm. A caching service on uh, uh, Amazon, it's uh, Elastic Cache. But at the same time, they are offering other managed services where uh, Redis and other uh, uh, open source uh, uh, caching services like Pemcache uh, are offered as uh, managed services. Yeah. Uh, same goes with uh, Google uh, and Microsoft as well. Right. So when you talk about uh, use cases around uh, uh, a caching service that we need to consume as part of our overall full stack application, yeah. we are talking about uh, uh, some uh, nuances which are platform or providers uh, uh, dependent, right? So uh, it's important to identify those and try to uh, uh, unlock those dependencies. Yeah. Meaning that uh, if I'm using uh, a Redis uh, uh, for my private cloud, I would prefer to maintain the same uh, architecture when uh, I'm migrating from private cloud to uh, any other uh, public cloud or hybrid cloud model. Right. So that is a level of portability that uh, we need to think about when we are 
working on refactoring our applications. Or for that matter, if uh, my, our disaster recovery uh, strategy uh, is uh, leaning towards multi-cloud, achieving that uh, high level of portability is important uh, so that uh, uh, we are able to keep the uh, disaster recovery uh, cost uh, to as minimum as possible. Yeah, so, it's one of those disaster recovery is one of those in the VM space. It was always so expensive. Everybody wanted it, but nobody could really afford it. But now that we break okay. things down, it really actually makes it makes it sort of possible. Hey, I wanted to to say, uh, Malkit, uh, welcome, and Motaz, glad that you guys are here as well. And let's hit. We're, we're, we we only have about five more minutes, but there's a question here, and, and asking about uh, share a simple analogy, a real time scenario of microservices architecture. And I'll just shoot one out really quick. Imagine a imagine a shopping cart experience. You know, you're trying to check out and buy the things that you want to buy. Well, we do know, of course, that that, that drives, um, there are lots of different things you have to do on there. And, and, and one of the things is you have to type your address. And every time I type my address, it always comes back and says, would you rather use this address? Because what it does is it goes off and it makes a request and says, you know, hey, the person entered this address. Is there a better formed one that the post service is going to be able to to utilize? Now, that could be built into the whole code for the page, or what predominantly happens is that feature is its own bit of code, and the web page itself, in an asynchronous manner, is going to go out and say, while I'm still typing things, and and uh, go off and say you know, hey, they typed in this address, uh, is there a better one? And then bring that back. So it's a little bit of code that does a very specific thing and provides that information back. Microservices. How did I do, Niketu? Uh, that's a perfect example. Uh, well, then we're done. We should leave right when you say perfect, because <laughs> I love the sound of that. Yeah. Hey, well, we only have a few more minutes left. And, uh, and I know we want to talk about um, this whole um, path and, and journey out into the cloud native uh, 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 journey. So why don't you take us uh, a little bit into there and talk about how we can how we can actually go about doing that across public cloud, hybrid cloud, or even private cloud. Sure. Yes, I think uh, continuing the conversation we had having earlier, uh, when we talk about uh, um, emphasis on uh, uh, cloud native services, that's where we are able to get the maximum return on investment in terms, whether it is uh, uh, application development efforts or uh, optimizing our uh, uh, operational uh, resources uh, to yeah. manage those uh, uh, services and keep them up uh, so that we can uh, fulfill the uh, promises of uh, uh, SLAs that we have promised to our customers and users and customers. Right. So from that perspective, it's uh, pretty important to uh, identify those uh, uh, areas and uh, uh, put some emphasis on uh, uh, use of uh, uh, cloud native services so that uh, we are able to uh, achieve the uh, portability uh, goals that we are setting up for any multi-cloud deployment model for the services, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Did that answer the question? Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's all about this ultimate strategy of how do we get to cloud native? And that should be the goal. And I'll say for most applications, there are still some, you know, they, they, uh, they may have a shortened lifespan inside of your organization. You're just trying to, you know, let them live their life while they, mm -hmm. while they can. And, and you've got a plan for where we're going to get that data or that compute in the future. So there are some workloads that maybe don't necessitate this sort of move, but in, you know, Niketu, in, in large part, it seems like most applications should be on the roadmap for how they get um, uh, 
modernized from a digital transformation point of view. Uh, okay. and, and the thing that's so cool about the container space is it doesn't mean you have to have to go to the public cloud. You can do this in a private cloud environment. And because of portability, move those things out and about. Now, we would not be cool if we didn't answer the question from before uh, that, that we had around orchestration. So we have like two minutes left. I want to give you a chance to answer that. Yeah, so when we talk about orchestration engine for containers, uh, uh, there should not be any debate. Uh, it is by far, uh, uh, Wiener is uh, Kubernetes, right? So when we talk about uh, deploying it in uh, Azure, yeah. Uh, AKS uh, is the answer because uh, it comes with lots of uh, uh, capabilities and benefits uh, out of the box. So deploying your own Kubernetes cluster using uh, uh, EC2 instances or uh, uh, compute on uh, any infrastructure as a service uh, offering from any public cloud. Uh, if you are doing DIY, certainly that's an option, but uh, if uh, uh, you are on public cloud, then uh, you have to leverage the benefits of uh, the hosted Kubernetes services. That's there right. is a reason why I mean, they have made a huge investment. So, uh, strategically uh, reinvesting in uh, uh, investing the efforts in reinventing the wheel probably is not the uh, best option. Yeah. Hey, there's one more question I want to try to grab before before we close off, and that is uh, security with containers. How do we go about securing containers? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty broad question. But, Very broad question, I guess. Yeah. Uh, In fact, we may have to keep going into detail on this one for a future episode. But, but broad, broad brush it for us. Uh, in terms of uh, securing the containers, there are so many different options. You have the option to, uh, again, if you are uh, a DIY type of uh, uh, audience, uh, you have lots of uh, open source uh, uh, services available to leverage that and uh, achieve certain level of uh, container security posture. Yeah. But at the same time, there are very mature and very comprehensive uh, uh, third-party uh, tools as well from Equasec or uh, Prisma from Palo Alto, Sysdig, uh, uh, New Vector. I mean, there's endless there's list. So there's a few ways I to go about it. I always uh, go back to the CNCF uh, uh, landscape. And whenever I go after a, a few weeks, uh, I find out more and more uh, uh, vendors are uh, added to the, uh, those individual uh, uh, landscape uh, sections. So security is, uh, again, extremely fast-going uh, area for from CNCF uh, growth perspective. Yeah. And a lot of options are available, uh, but like uh, Jeff mentioned, uh, we'll have to have a dedicated session talking about container security. Yeah, in fact, if that's of interest to you guys, just make a note down in the comments, whatever platform you're watching us on. Looks like most are on LinkedIn this morning. Uh, let us know just at yes, please, for security. You can let us know. Or good God, no. Um, that's okay, too. So uh, what more questions coming in. Uh, Niketu, can you stick with us for just a little bit while we answer a few more uh, questions? Sure thing. Uh, Thank sure, you yeah. so much. Can you name a few. So I'll take this next one. Some applications that um, I actually want to pick this question apart. The question says, can you name a few applications that can't be con uh, containerized and is preferred to use on-prem? So first of all, those are two separate topics. So whether something can or can't be containerized is one thing. 
But whether or not um, it is on-prem or not on-prem is another thing. Those are two separate conversations. I can leave something in a VM and move it into the cloud. That's fully okay. Infrastructure modernization, we might call that. But whether we containerize it or not, uh, applications that come to mind that, that, that you can't, uh, you know, if you're using uh, an off-the-shelf product that isn't designed for or architected for containers and you don't have the source code, you can't, you can't really kind of mess with that. Any other Niketu boundaries for applications that aren't ripe for containerization? Uh, I would say the answer depends on the, the business goals we want to achieve, mm. right? I mean, uh, like Always you mentioned, business goals. Have, if you don't have the source code, then uh, yeah, I mean, there is nothing uh, we can do about it. But uh, assuming that we have the source code, uh, it will be, uh, it could be a, a massive uh, refactoring effort, which will be like uh, several years long project uh, to categorize uh, some legacy monolith applications, but it's certainly doable. Sure. Except and it goes back uh, to my comment before is if that application is only scheduled to live for the next couple of years, it may yeah. not make business sense to dig into. Hey, rapid fire. Thank next you. question. Um, Marcy asks, how do you back up AWS containers? <clears throat> And that's uh, sort of a loaded again, question, isn't it? Do you actually back up question. containers? I was about to mention that. You really <laughs> need to back up containers. Uh, we, we certainly have various options, but uh, when it comes to containers, uh, I would say that uh, uh, depends on whether it is a stateful container application or uh, a stateless, right? So if it is stateless, then there is absolutely nothing you need to worry about because your source of truth uh, is residing outside the you know, Kubernetes cluster, mm. right? So from that perspective, it's just a matter of uh, running the, uh, redeploying your application if it is stateless as uh, part of your disaster recovery or what, if you have to take any manual action to recover that application, right? But you don't really have to do any kind of backups. The backups are applicable only in cases where there is a stateful application. And then uh, it will be uh, dependent on uh, uh, the application itself uh, as to how uh, backups are supported, right? Mm -hmm. So if uh, we are using uh, any, AWS uh, native uh, uh, stateful applications or databases, uh, those uh, come uh, pre-built with uh, capabilities to uh, take the automatic backups and everything. So right. that eliminates the need for us to invest uh, uh, integration efforts there. Yeah. So unless it's unless it's um, stateful, um, you let the orchestration engine take care of it, and you rely on the cloud native capabilities to back up the data and, and be as resilient as possible. Very good, everyone. We stuck around a little longer. You had your questions. We had answers. Uh, where, so thanks so much for being a part of this this conversation this morning. World, glad that you are here. Hey, John from London is here. So John, we're about to be done, but go back and watch the whole thing. Niketu, thank you for being a part of this. I feel like we just scratched the surface, so we need to have you back. We have a security conversation to be had. Um, there are deeper conversations to be had in and around. Um, you know, the, the next step in transformation and what it, what it takes to, to manage some of this stuff. So uh, consider the door open to come back on, the, on uh, Cloud Talk Live. Absolutely. Anytime, Jeff. I really enjoy this audience and uh, opportunity to share my thoughts and uh, learn uh, whether uh, my thoughts are aligned to uh, other people in the community who are actively pursuing that uh, cloud native journey. 
So That's right. Everyone, thank you so much for being a part of the program this morning. We are back here on Thursday morning at 8.30. That conversation is focused solely on security. <clears throat> in fact, we're going to have some really sharp folks in from uh, from Cloudflare. We've got some, some sharp security rackers coming on for a really great conversation, and I hope that you'll be here. We start at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on Thurs- this coming Thursday, so I hope to see you then. And be- uh, Other than that, have a great day. Go check out uh, the rest of these links from this episode over at rackspace.com slash solve slash 92. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, this was a live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live.